0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 27 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. On today's show, we have self-proclaimed human yogi bear, Shantae Salabert. She is a senior writer for ModernHiker.com. She is a staff member for the Sierra Club. She is a thru-hiker, and she is currently writing a book about the lower portion of the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail. So let's all travel back in time to that night at Silver Lake Meadow for a very special ADD episode where Shantae and I refuse to stay on topic and delve deeply into the age-old question, McConaughey or Ruffalo? Ruffalo.
1: My name is Shantae Salbert, and I am a hiker, backpacker, climber, general curiosity seeker. I am currently writing a book about the southern and central california portions of the pacific crest trail which means i'm on the trail a ton i am a staff member for the sierra club's wilderness travel course i'm the senior writer for modern hiker and a bunch of other things
0: i noticed that you squinted your eyes is is that how you bring up memories
1: (laughs) forcing it out squeezing out all the details
0: so you do a whole lot of things is basically what it came down to
1: basically yes
0: (laughs) so an easy way to start this out since there are so many things is to go all the way back to tiny, tiny little chant. What did they call you when you were a little kid? They called you like Shay Shay or something? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it had to be something shay. like that.
1: Or my sister called me shay because she couldn't say Shay.
0: My brother used to call me bruh. Bruh. Bruh.
1: Bruh, just like a grunt.
0: I don't know why bruh. I had him call me that. I liked it when I was like eight years old, ten years old, and then at some point I was like, you can't call me that anymore. <laughs> and it, it didn't go away for a long time. But anyway, back to you. Please. So let's go to little little Shay. Aw. Little little Shay scared of the world around her, or maybe not. Maybe
1: not. Come on, bro.
0: Come on, bro. <laughs> so so how'd you go from a fetus to the woman you are today? Wow. Let's guys. cover all of that in the next like two to three minutes. Can you? Can you? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe thirty words or fewer.
1: Sure. All right. It's taken uh, X amount of years to get to this point. I grew up in Milwaukee, and I grew up in the middle of the city. It was... I I lived across the street from a Boys and Girls Club. I started going there when I was five, and it was just the Boys Club and they had a summer camp so wait
0: was it a boys and girls club before and then it turned into a boys club or it was a boys and girls club and then you joined or it's it was a boys club and then became a boys and i converted girls
1: club it solo like single-handedly <laughs> converted it for girls the country over
0: is that true did you did you
1: convert? It? I, I was one of the one of the few okay yes the few the proud the brave also i think my mom just needed babysitting and probably fudged my age to get me in because i was also too young so it works in my favor, though.
0: Not to derail the conversation already, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Here's a terrible, terrible story. When I was in high school and early years of college, I used to work at the public library back in Baton Rouge where I grew up. And there were some kids that would show up because their parents did not want to get babysitters, so they would just leave their kids at the library for eight <laughs> hours. It's an awesome time.
1: place to abandon your child, you know? I yeah, mean, think th- about it.
0: But they would sincerely leave them at like nine in the morning and come pick them up at wow. like seven at night. Until someone would catch on and try to stop it. (laughs) That is not a good way to raise... You. I mean, at least it's a library. And right, not it wasn't like, like the public dump or something, or something. But, yeah. but that's not a good way to raise your kid.
1: Could be worse. Anyway, be
0: worse. back to your mother.
1: <laughs> My oh, mother well. dumping me at the Boys yeah, and Girls Club. Yeah, dumping you at
0: Boys and Girls Club.
1: <laughs> which, which is actually a pretty great place if you're going to dump a kid for eight hours, you know. They had a summer camp, and so when I was eight years old, they had a one-night-overnight to this mysterious, magical summer camp. I had never... I mean, we had a lot of parks in Milwaukee. It's one of the best kind of county city parks... Systems in the entire country, apparently. You know, I grew up in the middle of a a kind of a rough neighborhood, very urban environment, if you will, and so I wasn't, I had never been to somewhere like, you know, full of pine trees and lakes and all this good stuff. So I got to go to the summer camp, Camp Wickham Mason, for one night when I was eight, and I fell in love with it. It smelled amazing, it was beautiful, it was quiet, I could see all the stars. And I begged my mom to send me back. I got to go back for an eleven-day session and didn't stop going until I went to college. So, I mean, I did. I would I would leave camp and come home because I was forced to, because you know they closed every summer. But I loved it. That was that was the beginning of my transformation. So that
0: was where everything went wrong. That's
1: where yes, that's where I went down that deep dark path to outdoorsmanship, outdoorswomanship.
0: You joined the boys' club, converted it nationwide <laughs> into the boys and girls like, yes. club. All by yourself without any additional help when you were four years old. That's right, five. Yeah. But five, yes. five years old. Okay, I wouldn't. I don't want to exaggerate.
1: Yes, I had one extra year of experience in there. <laughs> okay, Come on. Right. There.
0: I mean, that's a big difference, four to five. It is you a lot have of grown things happen. Six to eight inches.
1: Your thought process is really deepened.
0: You maybe you could feed yourself and put on your own shoes. Uh, yeah. Maybe tie your own shoelaces.
1: Scaling three hundred foot walls solo. You know, Sweet. a lot happens in that year.
0: So you did that. You went off to camp. You really liked it, and then you. I loved it. Went away for school?
1: I went away. I did go away for school. The summer that I graduated, well, the year I graduated high school, I was 16 when I graduated. I was one of those nerdy kids that got skipped ahead. I finally got to work at camp that summer. Turned 17, went to college, and decided to go to college to be a park ranger. That was my dream. I was going to be like the human version of Yogi Bear. It was going to be amazing. I was going to teach children all about Why would you want to
0: be the human version of Yogi Bear? (laughs)
1: I probably I probably could have come up with a better example of that. <laughs> I
0: don't know when whoa, whoa, the last whoa. time is you watched a Yogi Bear cartoon. He was at odds with the Ranger. Okay. Are he you... wasn't he wasn't an honorary park ranger. He was the creature the Ranger was was fighting with.
1: You know, you're making some valid points.
0: <laughs> Did you maybe mean Yogi Bear? Yeah,
1: definitely. I was way into baseball. So uh do as I say, not as I do. No, do as I do, not as I say. Yeah, no, I'm gonna Do, us, do right? as
0: do as I say, not as I don't know. Just don't
1: you're... do it. Do, probably just listen. <laughs> listen and let me correct my mistakes.
0: All right. So you wanted to be the human Yogi Bear.
1: <laughs> I wanted to chase after people's picnic baskets. Uh, loved food. But yeah, I wanted, to, I, I wanted to be a park ranger or do environmental education. And so I went to the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, which is kind of nationally known as being the place to go if you want to nerd out on, like, trees and soil and hydrology and everything like that I made the mistake though of getting in the wrong track and I was in the forestry track thinking like I would just learn about trees all day and it would be amazing and what I was learning about trees was how to measure them so that I could cut them down and send the trees to the paper mill (laughs) So. <laughs>
0: but then you can take that paper and write about the trees. I could. So You're it could right. be a cycle.
1: You're right. Yeah, that's true. That's not exactly how it all worked out, though. But yeah, I, um, I kind of switched tacks. I actually ended up getting my master's in social work and sort of put all of the environmental stuff on the back burner. I mean, I didn't just, I wasn't like, you know, going out there chopping down trees and, you know, poisoning waterways. I just stopped studying it and thought, well, maybe I'll just leave that for sort of like a a hobby or something. And um, wait,
0: poisoning waterways? <laughs> <laughs> that would be you would leave that as a hobby,
1: just a casual hobby. It's actually why we're at the reservoir tonight.
0: <laughs> Are you a Batman villain?
1: <laughs> yeah, don't don't give away all my secrets in the first 10 minutes here, guy. You have <laughs> no
0: idea what my name is. That's what I just realized. Jason. You called me guy.
1: <laughs> guy? You can't just use guy as like, know your name is Jason. This is Jason, our host. Guy. Um, Yogi Bear. No, the habit, the hobby would have been doing teaching people about the environment so i would be not not poisoning that that would be the anti-hobby okay my hobby would be teaching people not to poison the environment
0: so where did you go from there you decided i'm not going to be the human yogi bear you locked that inside of you for later for later maybe maybe it still hasn't come out
1: (laughs) i haven't you're right yes it's still working through it tonight actually
0: decided to get into social work i did study social work i did at some point you completed your education? I
1: did. I got my master's degree and I left Wisconsin. I left. I was in Madison for my master's. I left Madison, drove all the way down to South Carolina and ended up living in Charleston for almost five years. What's funny is that that's kind of where I reconnected with the outdoors. I wasn't doing anything work-wise or anything. I wasn't writing about the outdoors. I was actually a music journalist for a big part of that. I sort of abandoned social work, <laughs> went completely in another direction. The South is totally fascinating. It's very different. I mean, I moved down there because I wanted something completely different than Wisconsin than than what I'd known and what was cool is that um, going down there I'd been used to like lakes and forests pine trees and all that and you get down in South Carolina and there's stuff like that but you also have these amazing coastal environments and these barrier islands with these creepy whitewashed trees on the shores and these you know the ocean right there and and it ended up being I ended up falling in love with the outdoors again but in a very different way and I started climbing out there I'd, I'd climbed a little bit at summer camp I got tricked into it, and I ended up kind of liking it. And so there was an outdoor climbing wall in Charleston that I'd go to, and I was like, oh, well, this is kind of fun. But, you know, it was more just like an every once in a while thing.
0: So you rediscovered yourself in the South.
1: I did, I you did. traveled
0: to the South to find the Yogi Bear inside you. Doesn't
1: this sound like a great movie plot? <laughs>
0: did you meet Matthew McConaughey and fall in love? I didn't, I no, didn't. I fell in love
1: with others, but not him.
0: <laughs> Other country boys? Yes, indeedy. So then, Southern California. Mm, no. You're there now. How did you get all the way from the other side of the country to this side of the country?
1: First, I went north. And I spent some time in New York City. Oh,
0: uh, because I rediscovered the nature. City. I'm sick of this. Yeah. <laughs> go so back to the city. <laughs>
1: got over it pretty quickly wanted to go be surrounded by concrete. No, but listen, you know, New York was another sort of revelation because you get up there and here's this, you know, the concrete jungle. You're on this tiny island just crammed full of people and gray things. And then you have Central Park, which is incredibly beautiful. It is actually just like a stunning place to go lose yourself for an afternoon, literally or figuratively, you know, maybe get killed a little. Bit, but generally, it's a really nice place to to go for a walk, have a picnic, and then then you can hop on the train because this thing, this thing, there's things north of the city. I don't know if you're aware, New York's not not its own. Thing. It's not that's there's more to New York State.
0: I have heard a lot about upstate. There New are York. other yes, things I've not experienced upstate New York, but I've heard wonderful what? things about it, it is, and how it is the polar opposite of New York yeah, City.
1: Yeah, it is. It's all pastoral and beautiful. There's woods. There's gorges. There's waterfalls. It's nuts. It's so beautiful. So that kind of got me got me thinking some more about the outdoors but it wasn't you know it wasn't a daily part of my life in New York either I mean not until I came out here and then you come out here and I remember going up to the Sierra and going to Yosemite and that was it it was like game over game changer I am officially in love the Sierra is my boyfriend I this is all I need in life
0: Matthew McConaughey eat (laughs) your heart out
1: I don't even think Matthew McConaughey is that cute dude
0: (laughs) Guy, I don't know. He's just the person that comes to mind when like movies about in, like, high guys in the south. <laughs> you know, Matthew McConaughey is a very frequent listener of this podcast, and he is crying. Is he? Right? How about
1: Mark Ruffalo? Let's <laughs> let's try Mark Ruffalo maybe instead. Uh, okay, he and can be your new guy reference. Is, is
0: Mark Ruffalo from the south? I don't know. Does he play Hot Guy from the South in a lot of movies? I
1: see where you're going with this, but but let's just let's use Mark Ruffalo here okay. on out. The All Sierra right. where my so, Mark so Ruffalo country, Mark Ruffalo, yeah, <laughs> country. I feel bad if Mark Ruffalo overhears this. Not so much as Mr. McConaughey does.
0: I guarantee you if McConaughey hears this, he's not wearing a shirt. <laughs> I'm willing to bet $50 it's,
1: right now. It's going to a real special place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so you came out here and you went to the Sierra. I did.
1: I I started, I started making grand plans. You know, it's funny, like the the first week I lived out here, I ran into some people that I knew in Charleston, and neither of us knew that we, each other was out here. And for some reason, we got the wild hair to go for a hike in Griffith Park. But it was just going to be a quick hike. We're like, oh, let's just walk up towards the Hollywood sign. Neither of us knowing that the Hollywood sign is not just like a quick little jaunt. It was hot. We were wearing jeans. I think I had like Converse on. And we're walking, walking, and the trail keeps kind of dipping around and around. We're like, I don't know, I don't know. Should we keep going? Yeah, 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 let's keep going. And we got to the top, and I was like, all right, that was kind of uh, epic. We're a little dehydrated. I might pass out, but you know what? I kind of like this. And so later that week, I was like, I want to see what else is out there. So I actually drove out to the Santa Monica Mountains, and there used to be a shuttle. I don't know if you remember this, but you used to be able to park your car, and you could take a shuttle through the mountains and stop off at a couple different places. And so I actually, I, I stopped at the ranger station and said, can I find a waterfall? Is there one out here? And they're like, yes, it is here, Solstice Canyon.
0: Do you know what year this was? Do you remember?
1: This was in the ancient days of, I want to say 2007, maybe.
0: Okay, so there was still water. In
1: there was still California. water okay. in the Santa Monica Mountains, in California in 2007. We weren't all desiccated little raisin people.
0: So that's when you moved out here, 2007?
1: Yeah, I think it was um, around New Year's. 2006 2007 somewhere in there my memory is hazy but yeah I, well let's see i could probably do the math i could probably do the math <laughs> it's a little late in the day for math we'll
0: just we'll just call it 2007 call give it 2007. or take a year or two yeah and that's that
1: we'll what call would it. make it nine years if i was nine years in december that's well, great
0: or 2006 if 2006
1: was, yeah. yeah okay so 2006 it Are is currently really?
0: january 2016 <laughs> that is not math. when you will be hearing this but that is when it is right now i think january 25th maybe
1: my math skills will have vastly improved by the time you hear this, I promise. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well you didn't you
0: did not you wanted to be a yogi Bear. you wanted to be a ranger. <laughs> you, you never said you wanted to be a mathematician. I never so did. That was never successful. that was part of
1: the reason that I, I said screw it when I took those forestry classes, because there was all sorts of like measuring the distance of the tree from the ground and how much paper could you get from stupid it. Stupid
0: numbers.
1: Stupid <laughs> I like words. Words are my jam. Numbers. Eh.
0: So you ran off to see a waterfall. I did. We're, I we're did. there in 2006. I took the shuttle,
1: took the shuttle in the, the glory days um, when there was water. And yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome. And what was amazing is this is, mind you, my first week in LA. And I'm coming back to my car. I'm like a tenth of a mile from the parking lot. And I look, and there's a bobcat in front of me, like staring down a bird. And I was just standing there and I'm like, What is this?
0: That is much better than what I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say it was my first week in LA. Walked to this waterfall and I went back and someone had broken into my car and stolen you know, all of my Don't jinx
1: toys. it. No, it was a bobcat. I was I was I was simultaneously sort of like scared shitless and super excited because I'd never seen one of those before and then it's not
0: very big either
1: no but it's just a thing it's like a giant house cat it's like a house cat with markings on it and bigger teeth and more claws but it was just you know you don't see those things my my cat's I mean my cat's large Eddie Cat Halen is a big cat
0: did you say Eddie Eddie Cat Halen oh I did your cat's name oh I did
1: yes it's a pretty awesome cat does
0: he have his own Instagram account
1: no no he he's too cool for that so it's a MySpace page
0: yeah yeah it's a friendster
1: it's a totally a friendster page only the cool cats, literally, get to be on there.
0: 2006 ish. You see a waterfall. Yes. You see a bobcat. I do. You I do. Move to Los Angeles. You hike to a sign. Pretty
1: cool. Yeah.
0: And you remember that you like this stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I, got this Jones for the Sierra after visiting. And I was, I was going out to see the Dodgers one night with a bunch of friends, and everyone was going to meet at my place. And I um, had been to Olympic National Park earlier that year with my best friend from high school, who also lives out here and i had a book about olympic like sitting out in my living room And one of the girls in the friend group came over first. She came over kind of early. And we didn't really know each other that well, so we're making awkward small talk. And then she sees this Olympic National Park book. She's like, oh, hey, have you been there? I'm like, oh, yeah, it was really awesome. She's like, oh, do you like hiking? I'm like, I do. Do you like hiking? She's like, I do. And then we started talking about this blog. Do you like Mark Ruffalo? (laughs) Do you like Mark Ruffalo? I do. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that. Mark, if you're listening. And we're sitting there talking about this website we both like to find hike info, which was Modern Hiker. And we're like, well, that's cool. It's a pretty neat website. Okay, we should pick one of those hikes and go do it. So we decided to go do this hike. We also discussed that day that we both wanted to climb Mount Whitney, which ended up happening the next year, I think.
0: Which is the highest peak in the lower 48 states that's right. for anyone who doesn't know that.
1: Who are those people. And
0: Modern Hiker, why don't you tell people what Modern Hiker is?
1: Oh, yeah, Modern Hiker's awesome. Modernhiker.com, it is the most well-read hiking, outdoorsy blog in Southern California, and I would venture to say one of the more popular ones on the West Coast. And we have some some uh, nationwide fans as well. Uh, but it's a it's a hiking website started by this awesome guy, guy named uh, Casey Schreiner. And he started it way back yonder, I don't know, like, probably about nine years ago or something. and uh, yeah,
0: Just around the time you moved here.
1: Just around those that...
0: How convenient.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Some things just happen for a reason. But yeah, so he started this website just to kind of document hikes in LA. Cause people have this misconception that, you know, you live in Southern California or LA and it's all just like the people with fake boobs and fast cars and palm trees and that's about it. You know, he wanted to start battling that misconception, but also kind of keeping track of the things he was doing. And so his website sort of grew into this resource of hike write-ups so you could go on there and maybe find a write-up for switzer falls or echo mountain or something kind of here in socal and so what was funny is that we just kind of knew him as modern hiker that's just everybody who meets casey is like you're a modern hiker as if like modern hiker is a man and what's awesome is that rebecca and i both had that thing where we're like you know modern hiker the man the myth the legend and what was awesome is that after Re- Rebecca and I did our first hike together, it went horribly wrong. We totally ignored a sign that said that there had been a rock slide and the trail was closed. Somehow we didn't read all of those words and decipher that we should not be on this trail. This uh, We have dubbed this trail the Tom Sloan Hell Trail, by the way. There were Spanish bayonets everywhere, which I now call stabby little asshole plants. And we both came off the trail like bleeding and and angry at the world, but also relieved. And angry at,
0: mo- at Modern Hiker for <laughs> angry at modern.
1: No, we weren't. You know, we were not. We were not. But we did go on his website. and He used to have a forum, you know, like the kids did back in the day to talk to each other on the interwebs. I wrote up, like, an account of our story, a dashing account of our epic, you this know. Trail of you this trail is shit. This is the dumbest know.
0: explanation ever. Don't listen to this. Is that what you did? Were you yeah, one of those?
1: yeah. No, no, <laughs> no. But I did say if anybody's going out there, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I kind of wrote it up in sort of a hysterically funny way. At least that's what everybody thought that read it and told me that, the one person that said that. But Casey thought it was funny. And Casey also, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, was like, if you guys ever want to hike together, let me know. We're like, Modern Hiker wants to hike with us, especially after we wrote, like, all the bad things we just did. (laughs) What's wrong with this guy? And so we ended up getting together with Modern Hiker. And we got together with this guy, Colby, who at the time was doing a thing called like the 100 hikes project and he was another guy whose blog we followed and so the four of us get together and we had never met colby before we had met colby once we did a quick hike with him but none of us had backpacked together we're like we're gonna go backpack mount san gorgonio which is known as the highest peak in Southern California. It's not an easy hike. You've probably done it, right?
0: I think think I've hiked in the area. I don't think I've actually hiked up it.
1: Epic failure.
0: I'm I'm trying to think if I have or not.
1: Well, you should. Even though most of the trails to access it burnt this summer in the lake fire, which was very sad. But there's at least one trail still open. I think the Vivian Creek Trail. And it's awesome up there. It's basically, if you want to get sort of a piece of the Sierra down in Southern California, that's a great place to do it. But I digress. We got up there with these two. The four of us had never backpacked together before. And we went on this this crazy trip. And uh, two of the people, I will not name names, it wasn't me, got altitude uh, sickness. Two of us made it to the summit. Like all sorts of things. One of the people went to the hospital afterwards. It was kind of insane. We all lived. We're all alive, I I swear. But uh, for some reason, Casey and I became friends after that. I just
0: want to point out that you... (laughs) I think it was you because you said. No, you I don't. I'm actually, not going to name names. It wasn't me.
1: No, it wasn't me. I actually have I have summit photos to prove it. I just don't want to name the person who got the altitude sickness in case that person is listening. I, I mean, it's they've been keeping it on the DL all these years. Okay.
0: I mean, it's not anything to be embarrassed. I know, about. but it's not it's
1: not my story to tell, okay. man.
0: All right, all right. My story to tell. I mean, you can tell me if you had altitude and sickness. I, I I'm didn't. not going to judge you. <laughs>
1: I did not have altitude sickness, I swear. I do remember uh, driving down the hill and in five minute intervals pulling over on the side of the road so that particular person could barf. I was sad. It wasn't me. <laughs> I, I don't know why I feel compelled to like completely d- defend myself. I swear to God, it wasn't me.
0: God, I've lost so much respect for you now that I know you've had <laughs> altitude sickness. Get off my sickness. podcast, puker. If you'd told me you were going to have altitude sickness before you came on this podcast, I would so have been
1: surprised. You weakling. <laughs> Can't you control the uncontrollable?
0: So Mr. Modern Hiker said, wow, you you write funny reports and then you go on a trip with me. Why don't you write for my website? Is no, that exactly what happened? that
1: is not what happened. Is that pretty no. close? No, not even. <laughs> I did not. I didn't start writing for Modern Hiker until like five years later because it was just Casey's website. You know, it was like his solo endeavor. Man, not really versus wild, but man embracing wild and sharing it with the masses. But, you know, he actually, he approached me and uh, it was almost like you know, like, wait a minute. I See, I used to be a music journalist, so I wrote about music for a long time. And Casey knew this, and he knew that I really loved writing and wanted to get back into it. And like about two years ago or so, he was like, uh, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but would you be interested in writing for the site? And I'm like, hell yeah. like,
0: yeah, I want some of that big modern hiker money. Yeah,
1: I want to make ones and ones of dollars. No, and it's been awesome. I mean, so I was the first non-Casey writer on the site. And now we have, I don't know, probably 10 or something, maybe more. But yeah, I'm I'm the senior writer. Sweet, yes. so what does that
0: mean? You get to boss people around? No. You get to edit other people's myself. entries and say, I don't think you should say nestled in a cove. <laughs> you should say something different.
1: Don't use the word epic so much to describe your adventures. <laughs> just once, once per entry will do. No, it just means that I was, I think it just means like I'm the oldest one. I don't know. The one that's been there the longest. But it sounds nice, doesn't it? When you're like, hey, I'm Shantae, senior writer. Senior writer, yeah.
0: So what kind of stuff do you write for it? As the senior writer.
1: As the senior writer, I write uh, old things. I write very geriatric things. You write um,
0: right about knee pain and yes, back pain. Yes,
1: incontinence. And- Good times, depends. I write, you know, I write a mix of things. So it's a mix of trail write ups to gear reviews, and uh, I do sometimes write about news things. So I, I think the most recent thing I wrote about was the, I don't know if you're familiar with the ongoing push to uh, add some national monuments out in the Mojave, the Sand to Snow National Monument and Mojave Trails, and uh, I think it's Castle, Castle Rock, Castle Craig. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm not as familiar with the third one, but. But yeah, so I just wrote up a piece this fall about that. So it's a mix of things. I mean, so we try to cover, you know, trail write-ups across kind of the West Coast. I mean, it's based in Southern California, but you can look on there and get things in Utah and Portland and the Bay Area, Mexico, stuff like that. Gear reviews are, of course, super, super fun. I just got back from Outdoor Retailer, which was amazing. It's like a world of wonder. Yeah, tell
0: people what that is.
1: Oh, oh, if you love gear, you just want to be a fly on the wall or... Not even a fly in the wall. You just want to be in the thick of it. It's insane. It's a trade show. It's like the preeminent trade show for the outdoors world. They do it twice a year, summer and winter. Uh, It's been in Salt Lake City for, I don't know, how many years now. But you go there, and every brand has a booth, and you can go there and see kind of what's coming up for the next season. So we just saw, you know, we were there in January and saw what's happening for next fall and winter. And so you start drooling over all of the things. You talk to the marketing people. You know, you might walk away with some swag. Super fun. People drink a lot of beer, a lot, a lot of beer, like epic quantities of beer.
0: Did you go with Modern Hiker, or were you going with someone else?
1: I did. I did. Casey and I both went, actually. And, so, uh, so you
0: were a press person?
1: I was. We had our press press passes and did a bunch of interviews, and we actually both just wrote up sort of our uh, favorites of the show, our best in show, if you will. So
0: that's what a senior writer that's, at Modern Hiker is yes. doing these days, writing about the OR.
1: Gallivanting around trade shows <laughs> and trying on crampons yes yeah, and living the life oh yeah oh yes you have no idea now the pile of gear i have to review look forward to that guys <laughs> there will be I lots you of you get testing. to
0: keep it right
1: you do i mean sometimes it's nice to be able to give it away and we try to you know divvy it up there's a bunch of writers who do gear reviews so it's nice to give everybody a chance to uh, review and then keep gear and you know sometimes we are able to do giveaways for readers and stuff like that so it's nice spread the love.
0: So you say Modern Hiker is strictly West Coast oriented, it's, right?
1: It's headquartered here in LA. Mm-hmm. All of the writers that we have writing up trails right now are all based on the West Coast, but we'll be expanding into the next year um, going nationwide. Just, we just did a huge fundraising campaign so that we could basically overhaul the entire website and rebuild the database from the ground up, which is insane, crazy amounts of work for Casey. But yeah, so the goal is to actually be able to cover the whole US at some point.
0: Because okay, that's cool, because I was going to ask if he had plans to do that. And World if domination. Not, if not, if the site was still useful to people that aren't located in this part of the country. But apparently, apparently, it will be right. useful to people all over the nation. Yeah. I'm assuming he does not plan to expand globally. World <laughs> least, domination.
1: Intergalactic right domination. No, but you know, there we do. So you may have heard there was a thing that happened this year. There was a woman named Casey Knockett. And uh, Casey went around to some national parks and and painted on some graffiti onto... Was oh, that uh, the one that posted on Instagram? Yeah, okay. and then posted on Instagram, the, the smartest criminals. Casey kind of broke the story, and it became a huge, not just national, but that was international news. And uh, he was interviewed, he was on TV, the whole nine yards. And so we've kind of become known now, too, as the, the place you go when you see graffiti in a national park, which can be a little overwhelming sometimes.
0: She was contacted by authorities, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't she threatened with... Legal action?
1: There is nothing more I can say about what's happening with that case uh, because it is actually an active case. But okay. uh, I do expect that there will be some news soon about the outcome. Were you subpoenaed? I was not. No. Was, t- any, was anybody else a modern hiker subpoenaed? I don't, I don't know. I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Secret classified information. We're doing the good work out here, man.
0: So, man. so modern hiker is, is the tattletale
1: no. no the... no, that's the that's the worst way to put it. You know what was cool about all this? Cause, you know, Casey's not out there looking, none of us are out there like looking for trouble. But what happened, you know, is that you the cool the, the silver lining of all this, you know, it sucks that somebody basically went in and like messed up all this stuff. But You know, now you have all these people that are talking about it and you realize that the huge public backlash to this person doing this is that people, there's sort of a sacred space out there in the outdoors. You know, natural spaces are sacred. You know, even graffiti artists were coming out and saying like, no, that's not okay. That's not part of our code. So I think, you know, the upside to this is that you see people being a lot more aware and maybe educating others, calling out their friends, stuff like that, so that they're spreading that word. And I think that's kind of the positive of it. I mean, no one wants to be, we're, we're not like the clearing house for outdoor graffiti. So <laughs> we do, we get a lot. You would be surprised. I mean, I have access to our, our Facebook page. We get a lot of emails from very well-meaning people sending us pictures of like something somebody wrote on a park bench and, we can't we can't tackle all of the world's outdoor graffiti. <laughs> it's not modernoutdoorgraffitichasers.com, but oh,
0: do you own that URL? <laughs>
1: oh damn it, I, I should mean, probably I may want to go purchase probably it. Probably may want to purchase it before yeah. you uh, release this yeah. episode.
0: Cuz the millions and millions of listeners modern may run out and purchase at graffiti that right chasing
1: hikers.com.org.biz. It's so
0: easy to remember too.
1: It's real it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Just say that three times fast. It's
0: one thing I never understand about graffiti and nature so I can kind of understand the draw to paint graffiti, say, on public spaces mm-hmm. in a city because maybe there's some sort of rebellious kind of concept of like, no, all of this is ours. And so right. the, you don't own it. We own it. We're going to paint on it. And then there's also the, oh, you got to hide from the authorities. Maybe you get caught. There's some excitement. But going out to some rock somewhere in the middle right. of nowhere and painting on it has none of those No, qualities. It's no. just screwing up a nice rock or just a tree or just a nice area and then usually as soon as it one piece of graffiti appears somewhere in nature more and more Oh, it's a terrible magnet
1: i mean you see that in the front country here in southern california anytime you go into the low san gabriel's you know any of the mountains around the city any of the trails around the city griffith park yeah it's it's unfortunate you know there's that mentality and i think it's you know it's because when you do go into the city you you know there isn't that respect for property like you're saying it's just part of the culture and and so some people take that out into the wild with them and instead of learning you know this is why i'm i'm a big you know big advocate of sort of outdoor education and, and teaching ecology in schools because if you have ownership over this if you have ownership over the land you're not going to want to mess it up you know, if you feel invested in it, and that's a whole nother conversation is whether or not people feel invested or feel like they can have ownership over these spaces, you know.
0: Yeah, I agree with you because there's also this argument back and forth between people who are active in the outdoor community where you've got the one side who are like, this is ours. We right. spend time here. We don't want more people coming right, here and right. screwing <sighs> it up and blah, blah, blah. And then there are others, which a camp I like to think I belong in which is no this is for everybody. Yep. Let's get everybody out here. Yeah. And my thought is when you get everyone out there and they learn to respect they they learn to appreciate it, yep. then they actually want to care for yes, it.
1: Yes, that's exa- I'm I'm in that same camp. Casey's in that same camp. I mean, that's a big reason he, you know, started and built Modern Hiker to what it is now is that he wanted people, you know, he wanted to encourage people to get outside and see these places that do belong to them. You know, and there's kind of a history of disenfranchisement when it comes to the outdoors, when you're looking at, you know, especially uh, people of color and how people are represented in outdoor media, how they're represented in advertising for the outdoors, all of that. I mean, and then if you think about people that live in the city and may not have a car, you know, there's the barrier to access. How do you get to these places? So, I mean, there's a lot of great organizations doing that work. And I think it's important. You need to get people outdoors and, and show them, yes, these places are for everybody. It's not just, I mean, listen, if you want to go have solitude in the outdoors, it's not that hard. You know, don't go to the front country. Don't go to like a busy park. Learn how to navigate, go off trail and seek those really hidden places and find your solitude.
0: Go to the Silver Lake Meadow.
1: <laughs> the haunted Silver Lake next Meadow.
0: Next to the mostly empty Silver Lake Reservoir <laughs> on a week night. Yeah, and nobody I, here. It's, it's pretty empty except Total for solitude. some people doing yoga and stuff over there.
1: It's really it's really peaceful. I feel like I'm in the middle of the Sierra right now or like Joshua Tree. Yeah, especially
0: with all the cars going by.
1: <laughs> Super nice.
0: All right, so we want people to go outside yeah. so that they learn to appreciate it. And so they don't see it as the scary other yeah. Which is easy to not care about things that you see as an other. That aren't for you. Yeah. Why do you, you want to take care of these right. things
1: if they're not for you? So,
0: And you, it's easy also to see it as just a resource to exploit instead of a resource that maybe has more purposes and more oh, uses. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, when you talk about, if you talk about the campaign for the national monuments, you see that too. It's that concept. What's interesting with that is that Senator Dianne Feinstein, and she, so she's the one who introduced the California Desert Protection Act the first time around. And it's been kind of revised and altered and amended several times since and so this is kind of an addition to the current state of it but what's amazing about that is that you wouldn't think that you'd have environmentalists miners off-road vehicle riders bicyclists bikers the whole nine yards all of these people are all for the bill like it's you'd just don't normally see that those kinds of people are usually sort of opposing forces like don't bike on my trails and mining sucks and whatever and hikers are just you know they don't want anyone else to use the land and it's a land grab and what's cool is that you're not seeing that with this conversation and I think that's because people see the value in protecting these lands so that everybody can use them you know it's kind of it's it's important so
0: yeah I mean the unfortunate thing is if you just if you choose certain types of uses that can destroy the land Well, then it's a one-use piece of land, whereas if you can find ways for multiple groups to use it for multiple purposes sustainably, it can be used indefinitely.
1: And again, it goes back to ownership, because those groups will go back and take care of it. I mean, you obviously have trail builder groups that get out. Like, I've done volunteering with the uh, California State Parks Foundation and with the Pacific Crest Trail Association doing trail work. But you also get, I've seen groups of bicyclists get out and repair the trails that they use. You know, they'll have kind of like monthly meetups where they do that. And they'll work with local agencies or the Forest Service to do that kind of work. And so, again, that's just giving people agency over the lands instead of, you know, excluding people and making them feel like they have no say.
0: We talked about you coming out to California and how you got involved with Modern Hiker and yes. how you started to hike and all these things around this area. But you're involved with a lot more than Modern Hiker, <laughs> yes. as you pointed out earlier when you were squinting, trying to remember the things <laughs> that you What are all the things I do? So how did you go from... A woman that started out as a little shea-shea in the the (laughs) Boys and Girls Club, moving all over the U.S., and then coming to California, and then suddenly branching out and becoming involved in all these different outdoor groups.
1: I think the more I got outside, it's just like what we talked about, the more I got outside, the more it sort of stuck with me, and the more I I wanted to give back to the trails that I was spending so much time on. So part of the reason I started doing volunteer work, um, some of the organizations that I'd said I'd volunteered with have also uh, trained as a reforestation supervisor with tree people after the station fire because that really affected me I mean you'll sometimes those are the kinds of things that make people stand up and say wait a minute I want to help and that that happened with Casey actually did it our friend Colby did it um, because we wanted to be able to give back to the you know the mountains that we'd hiked in so much and loved so much so that's kind of how I got started with that kind of volunteering I ended up taking a class a couple years ago called the wilderness travel course Offered by the Sierra Club here in, in LA and OC, San Gabriel Valley, and uh, Long Beach. And so I took the one here in West LA. And it's because I wanted to learn how to navigate so I could go off trail and sort of enjoy that solitude and stuff that we were talking about. And I also really wanted to learn how to camp in the snow. That's one of the big things they do. So I took the class, and right away I was like, okay, I kind of want to teach the class.
0: Because <laughs> you were so unhappy with your instruction?
1: Because <laughs> it sucked. No. Uh, no, the instructors were great I'm actually instructing with them now so they're all really wonderful no you know what it bit you know what it did is it brought me full circle back to college all those years that I wanted to do environmental oh, education your yogi bear was <laughs> yogi trying bear. to come out yogi bear was like hey, let me out of here yogi yeah.
0: bear is your spirit uh, animal. it's
1: my spirit I know yogi bear my really inappropriate analogy slash spirit animal yes um <laughs> no it totally it brought me full circle it was like It was like, oh, duh, this is a way you can start doing that stuff that you put on the back burner for so long. I mean, that's honestly, you know, I wanted to be able to share the things that I've learned over the years, the experience I had. I mean, people who take this class range in experience from having never hiked more than a mile to people who have hiked in Europe. Like when I took the class, I had already hiked up Kilimanjaro um, and done a ton of backpacking and stuff. You know, so you get this whole wide range of experience. And it's been really fun. Like now I've been an instructor for a couple years. And um It's it's super rewarding because, again, it's another thing to sort of give people the tools they need to go outside and be comfortable with it and go out and have fun. And you see the students come out of that class and they sort of form groups of hiking buddies and outdoors people. Most of them go on to enjoy climbing and get into that side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. My my yogi bear came out for a visit. And he's here to stay.
0: Oh, no. I'm glad I didn't bring any picnic food with me.
1: (laughs) There there is a bag of chips here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Who did you steal that from? (laughs) Ranger. (laughs) So how did you go from someone taking the course to someone teaching the course? Because you don't just show up and they teach you and you're like, hey, I want to teach you this class. <laughs> That's and they're like, what yeah, oh, yeah, great, next weekend.
1: <laughs> next week, yeah. No, it's cool. They actually, they actually, the Sierra Club is really cool. So when I, I'd been a member of the Sierra Club for a long time, and but it was mostly just in a, like, here's some money, keep doing good work capacity. And I didn't even realize, but this, the Angelus chapter does like thousands of trips every year most of which are free to people so you can sign up and you will have two experienced people lead you on a day hike lead you on an overnight lead you on an off-trail adventure um, a scramble you know things like that and these are all for the most part free maybe cost a little bit for like permit fees and so they're really interested in training people to become leaders so that they can expand the number of trips and have people to lead these trips because there's such a high demand for it down here So part of what they do with the wilderness travel course is they expect that every year, like any number of students are going to actually become staff members the next year. So I think they kind of watch for people who are interested. And I definitely made myself known. I was like, hey, so uh, how do you become a staff? Like I had no qualms about just being that nerdy, nerdy person. And it totally worked. (laughs)
0: Were there a number of requirements that you needed to meet to become a staff member?
1: I think uh, don't be annoying. Um, (laughs) No, I think in general they're looking for, you know, they do want you to make a commitment towards working towards uh, leadership within the Sierra Club. There's actually several things you have to do to be a, a rated leader, somebody who can lead a trip. So they want to make sure you're actually working on that. And other than that, I think they just watch your behavior with other people and see, you know, if they think you would be good at helping other people learn things. And if you're awesome, I'm just saying, you know, one of the requirements, awesomeness, general awesomeness.
0: So what sort of courses did you take, courses have you taken to get to your certification or or that appropriate level? Uh, I mean, are we talking like wilderness first responder type courses or just kind of a wide range of general outdoor studies?
1: No, you do. I mean, there's the kind of the requirements. I mean, there's no no literal requirement, I think, for being a staff member in WTC other than being a member of the Sierra Club. They encourage you, however, to work on your rating. Um, I right now have my O rating, which means I can lead people on trail for day hikes. And that just required me doing, I think it was like first aid, CPR. Um, although I did I did wilderness first aid and CPR because I'm actually working towards my off-trail navigation leadership and then you go to a seminar where they talk about being a leader in the Sierra Club and kind of go over some of the protocols and what makes a good leader what else did I do for the I rating the off-trail navigation one you actually have to take kind of like an environmental education component you can either take one of the it's not a course but more like a seminar they offer a couple like seminars every year or you can do what I did and basically rattle off all the other things you've done in your life and that may qualify so that's kind of how I got out of that one, but, <laughs> but no, you don't need to go to like NOLS or Outward Bound or anything like that. You know, it's mostly self-directed. So it's you know, like I took a class yesterday on um, wild food foraging. So it's all about like you know, what do you want to bring to the table?
0: You have a full-time job, right? I do, yeah. Okay, so you have a full-time job.
1: Sometimes I forget because I do all these other things. I'm like, all right, I have a full time job, not related to any of this.
0: You're you're an instructor. Yep. You write for Modern Hiker. I do. Some people are gonna say, How can you do all that stuff? How do you have time to do all that stuff? So what's your answer to that?
1: <laughs> it's you make time. I mean, it's the things you're passionate about, you'll find a way to incorporate them into your life. Like I'm definitely it's funny. If you look at my Instagram feed, friends are always asking, like, were you at work? Somebody actually asked me the other day, do you still work? I'm like, yeah, I do still work. I just, you know, I spend I go before work. I go to Griffith Park. I go hiking. Um, I go on the weekends and do a ton of backpacking trips, day hikes. I go climbing. This is the stuff that brings balance into my life. So for me, it's worth getting up. I mean, sometimes I'll get up at 5 a.m. if I really want to go do something beefy before the work day and the rest of the day is always much more awesome for it you know i just feel much more energized and happy and i can't be you know la is it's a it's a good city in a lot of ways and it's a rough city to live in in a lot of other ways so for me it's kind of like the balance i mean i'll go do things after work go on night hikes and I know so many people who love being outdoors that it's not hard to find people to do things with to kind of keep you motivated. Maybe if you don't want to get up at 6 a.m., somebody will be there like, uh, yeah, you got to because you're supposed to meet me. So where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, you know, I'm also writing right now, <laughs> among all those other things, um, I'm a an athlete ambassador for Merrill. I'm part of the Merrill Pack, which is kind of a new ambassador program they started this year. So I do that. And then I'm also writing a guidebook, which is its own full-time job. So... You know, you damn well better love something like that because it's a complete labor of love, you know.
0: Yeah, This is the thing that I think people forget is, sure, we don't all have the same amount of responsibilities, but we do all have the same number of hours. Oh, yeah. Most people who say, oh, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for this, if they stopped and just for, for a week look at each day and look at what they did each yeah. hour that day, yeah. they'd realize how many hours were sort of squandered.
1: Oh, yeah. Internets. Yeah,
0: internet, <laughs> TV, TV. Whatever yeah sleeping I mean, in <laughs> any number of just distractions and so i think an answer is look at what's the distraction in your life stop spending as much time with those you don't have to remove those distractions no, from no. your life you can still enjoy those distractions just shorten the amount of time you spend with those distractions and then redevote that time else or redirect that time elsewhere
1: yeah find what find what gives you joy and pursue those things i mean they don't have to be a job that's the thing like My job is awesome, it's fun, but it has nothing to do with the outdoors. I work in the music industry. But for me, you know, I know that I need that balance and I find the time. You find you know, if 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 hiking in the mornings before work is gonna make for a much happier day, if I sit there and my alarm goes off and I wanna hit snooze, I think about that. I'm like, wait, you know what? I've never gone hiking and been like, Oh, I wish I didn't do that. Right. Never. But I have slept in and been like, Oh, I wish I would have went hiking this morning. Yep. Absolutely. absolutely.
0: I think, too, when you find something that you really enjoy doing, you find ways to make the time to do it. So if you try something and then you're not finding yourself doing it, you probably really didn't like it that much. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone I know who's really into any sort of activity, they're looking to find the time to devote to that. Yeah. They're not making excuses to do it. They're thinking, oh, maybe I can make time for it here, or maybe Uh I can make time for it here, or, oh, I really want to find out about this, so as soon as I get home, I'm going to look this up. And they enjoy that time. Yeah. 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 That's the difference. When you start enjoying that time, you realize, like, oh, I could I- I make do some more that, of that. <laughs> instead of watching Netflix for four oh, yeah. hours tonight.
1: Yeah, and then when you find other people that also have the same mindset, it's a game changer. Because then those people, you know, you'll never be at a lack for motivation. You'll never be at a lack for finding somebody to carpool with or to set up a car shuttle with or You know, those are the people that kind of keep the stoke high. It's an upward spiral. It is. It's awesome. I feel so high in the best, most natural, organic way. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, but it is. You find other people who sort of keep the stoke high, and you develop sort of a community. I think the outdoors world is really cool that way is that, you find these pockets of people that, you know, there's no limit to the amount of times I get asked, do you want to go hiking, you want to go backpacking, you want to go climb, and that I do the same for other people. And other things, too, you know, you want to go kayaking, sure, why not? I want to go canyoneering with you guys, yeah, awesome. You know, there's so many different ways to enjoy the outdoors, and, you know, a lot of my friends who live in other places don't, they're like... I don't understand. Like you live in LA, I'm like, yeah, I know. It's all around you, and you know, not not everybody has the same access to the resources we do. But you know, we're we're pretty lucky here, I think.
0: Yeah, and everyone has access to something. They just right. Have to, it might even be a even if it's park. just yeah, some mm-hmm. local park or something, and you kind of because when I moved out to Los Angeles, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Oh yeah, and what I ended up doing was doing a search online and finding this club, joining that club. And Mm -hmm. then from there, all the pieces just start to fall in place. You meet a person that can tell you how to do this, who will take you to do this. And then for every person you meet, you meet two more people. Right. And then two more people. And it just, next thing you know, you're not figuring out how to do things. All the opportunities are there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the cool thing too, is I think with a lot of these kinds of activities, people want to share it with other people. You know, that's why I, I teach. That's why I write for Modern Hiker. That's why I'm an ambassador for an outdoorsy brand. You know, it's like, that's why I'm writing this book. And, you know, it's not to make the tens and tens of dollars that I'm going to get ultimately from it. It's because I want to share that and sort of maybe open up a door for somebody else or give somebody else the inspiration that they need to sort of kick their butt and say, like, you know what, I'm going to try this or I'm going to join a meetup group or I'm going to take a class or whatever it is.
0: That, what you just said there, is kind of the answer these days. Look for a meetup group. Yeah, meetup There's up probably is probably some group. There's that some you can group find out there near you that does something you want to do. Oh yeah, and I mean that's why I know so many canyoneers now is because I joined a canyoneering meetup right. group. Yeah, and now I can barely ever do anything else because <laughs> I know so many.
1: Canyoneers. No, seriously, that's the problem, right? <laughs> it's like too many opportunities to be outside. <laughs> Sorry, so, I can't come into work today.
0: <laughs> so you've mentioned that you're an ambassador for Merrill, which <laughs> if anyone doesn't know, they're primarily a shoe brand, right? Do they? No, you know, it's funny. I know them for shoes.
1: Yeah, most people know them for shoes, um, specifically for running shoes. They have a, a pretty lengthy history. I mean, they're a European brand that I think their impact on the sort of American market has been running. But they do have a lot of other things. They have some really excellent boots. In fact, a lot of the hikers that I've seen on the PCT... Where the, what are they, the Merrill Moab ventilator. was a super popular kind of breathable low cut. But are we but, talking
0: all footwear? Like, would footwear be accurate? Or? Oh, they have
1: plenty of clothes. Oh, so they do? I don't do, think I'm okay, wearing so any right clothing, now. But yeah, I've peril. got jackets okay. at home. I've got shirts, pants. I have these awesome, like, waterproof pants that I wear when I'm dumb and hike in the snow <laughs> without any pr- appropriate gear. Yeah, no, they do a bunch of stuff, and what I think is really cool is that they said that part of their goal in doing the ambassador program was, and it perfectly aligns with everything I've said tonight, was to um, have people out there inspiring other people to go outside. And if you look at the people, like, there's these two brothers right now that are on this road trip called the Broad Trip, which I love. Um, You know, you've got, like... Uh, I don't know if they're boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband and wife that are doing, uh, they're traveling. I think they did a long-distance hike last year, and now they're traveling up the coast. And, you know, you have runners and hikers and surfers and all these outdoors people, just regular everyday people. None of us are, like, super uber athletes that have, like, deals with Nike or anything. Just people who love being outdoors that are passionate that share that with other people. That's kind of the, the gist of the whole thing.
0: So what does it mean to be an ambassador? And how did you become an ambassador? Um,
1: I actually it ties into Modern Hiker because we, uh, so Modern Hiker, we like to do hikes every once in a while that Casey or I or you know we like to hike sometimes. That would be wise. Just a little, little bit here and there. Uh, we like to invite other people sometimes, our readers, so to speak. Um, and so we'll do these kind of like hikes that will lead. And we'll maybe talk about history or something like that, or geography, or it's just a cool hike. And so we were doing one um, at, uh, up to Sandstone Peak back in the fall. And there was a woman that had contacted Casey from Merrill, and she came along. And she and I ended up talking, told me about the program. And she had me tell her, you know, some more about myself and basically like the distilled essence of what we've been discussing for the last, you know, however long. And <laughs> last five hours. Fifty-five minutes. Fifty-five <laughs> wonderful minutes of pure yeah. joy and bliss. and yeah and so we ended up talking and she told me about the program and wanted to know if i thought it was right for me and i said hell yes you know so yeah so i became an ambassador and sort of what i do it's they they don't really ask much of us it's be yourself you know i happen to post a lot on instagram because i'm posting a lot of pictures of the pct usually so i'll tag them every once in a while um we've run contests with modern hiker where people have been able to win like some nice gift certificates um and i did uh a hike with Merrill where people got to try on some of their new shoes and test them out and then we did a giveaway and, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of the end. That last thing is the thing I like the most is being able to Take people out, which I love. You know, it's the my, my Yogi Bear in me. Um, my inappropriate analogy of Yogi Bear. likes take people Yogi out. Yogi Bear
0: loved to take <laughs> loved people out to help him steal out. picnic baskets.
1: Yes. See? Okay, we didn't steal anything on this trip. But getting people outside. And then what's super cool is that listen like gear doesn't have to be super expensive but often the stuff you want is and so it's nice to be able to like help people get free stuff so I kind of like that like I get a bunch of things like all of my students this week they do not know it yet but all my WTC students are going to get a free buff like you know it's just a thing so it's nice to be able to do that and kind of psych people up and give them free stuff take them outside share the world with them
0: Are you are you gonna get deep? We <laughs> get really
1: are you deep. Gonna, are, you gonna, are, you gonna, are you gonna read us
0: a Robert Frost poem? Yes, right I had to wait till
1: we were officially it? at the sixty-minute mark. Um, but now, uh, uh, you, nature's you green as gold, her heart is to hold. I can actually go. It's a great poem. Highly recommend. <laughs>
0: Could you really go through the whole thing?
1: I probably could. I could actually also recite the Lorax to you. Oh, really? Yeah. I used to, the summer camp when I worked there after I went there for many years, um, I used to read it to kids every night. And because kids want to see the pictures, you can't really be staring at the book. So I had to memorize it so I could have the book facing out. I recited it for some friends in the car going to Joshua Tree recently. (laughs)
0: Let's hear page five of the Lorax. (laughs) Page
1: five. At the far end of town, no, that's page one. Where the grickle grass grows and the wind smells slow and sour when it blows, and no birds ever sing excepting old crows, is the street of the lifted lorex.
0: So go buy that book so that the <laughs> Seuss Foundation doesn't doesn't so- sue the podcast.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be Seussed.
0: Speaking of books, oh
1: books, yeah. Check this out. Oh. Check
0: this segue. Out. Look out oh. you know point. what you know. What look makes it. segues it's even? It's almost
1: like we set that up, but we I didn't. But, I swear. But
0: you know what makes segues even smoother. When you discuss how smooth they are, yeah. it makes them Yeah, just call amazing. attention to it yeah. smoothly. So, speaking of books, oh, yeah. books. such as The Lorax, such as. which is not the type of book you're going to write. No, it will not be. You are un-writing. writing a book. I am. Oh, you should, you should, should. totally do, all do all it in verse. That would be super easy.
1: Yeah, no problem. And take a left here, and then do not have fear. You will see a bear, but do not have cares. Yes, see, it's, I'm done. good at this. You're good. Do it. Duh. Finished so, book. Mountaineers. You guys into that? Uh, it's it's my book. publisher. It's <laughs> the Lorax Guide to the, Pacific the PCT. Trail. Yes, it's the Susified Guide to the PCT. I'm sure that we can get that trademark taken care of. It'll be great. Yeah. So what is it? So it's a book. It is a book. I got a book deal. Writing a book for the Mountaineers, which is one of the kind of preeminent. There's two sort of huge outdoor publishers, and they are the better of the two, in my opinion. Oh, who's the other one? I'm not even going to name them because it's not worth it. (laughs) That's so bad. But Mountaineers (laughs) is kind of like, if you have Freedom of the Hills, which is sort of the mountaineering Bible, that's their sort of like massive book. But they've you you believe me, you have other books by them in your closet. In your shelves, wherever you keep your books. I have, the, I have books. the
0: fourth edition of Freedom oh, of the Hills on classic. my floor in my office.
1: I have, mine is on the floor too, next to my bed. It's like my Bible. You should only <laughs> keep books on the floor. at night. Only Not on I the pay floor. Pay yep, I don't even have a bookshelf. My my book, however, will get its own shelf once once it's out. Uh, it'll go a gold shrine. But yes, yeah, so I'm writing a book about the Pacific Crest Trail. It's a guidebook. It's not your traditional guidebook, though. I can't divulge well, yeah, the, the horaxes, super secrets. Yes, because right? it's all in iambic pentameter. Um, it's written in Shakespearean English. Uh, pig latin yeah so i can't i cannot divulge all the details yet you know we don't want don't want the competitors to know what's going on over here but it's a little bit of a different book so um, i'm also the photographer for the book which has uh had its own challenges because you know you got to think about what will inspire people to want to go to these places so if i've broken down the trail into segments what's going to make someone want to go hike that segment And sometimes the light isn't right, or it's snowing, or it's raining for 10 days solid when you're in the Sierra. Um, That happens. So you just got to work around it. And, you know, but then again, that's part of the trail, right? Is that sometimes it does snow, and sometimes it does look like crap, and there's 10 miles of burnt trees, and, you know, you work around it. But I get to tell a lot of funny stories and also uh, tell people, I guess, details about camping and water and all that jazz they need to know. But I get to have a lot of fun with it.
0: So let's imagine somebody listening right now is thinking oh i don't want to i don't want to say this out loud but i don't know what the pct is oh, what is that
1: it's okay don't be embarrassed friend the pct is the pacific crest trail it runs about give or take, 2,650 miles from... Is
0: this the prologue to... <laughs>
1: this is the prologue. I'm actually reciting it to you right now. Um, haven't sent it to my publisher, so this is a secret. Runs from the border with Mexico. It starts in Campo, California, and it goes wheedledee all the way up to Manning Park, B.C., over the Canadian border.
0: And you said roughly how many miles?
1: 2,650.
0: 2,650 Give or take,
1: because there's always parts of it that close and open and reroute and all that.
0: And have you hiked all 2,650? of these miles?
1: No, my book covers about 942.5 of them. I have hiked those miles many, many times. many is many that times. the
0: california section
1: that is the section that goes up to tuolumne meadows in yosemite okay.
0: so from mexico to yosemite
1: yes which is kind of trippy when you think about it i uh, i remember walking into tuolumne meadows this summer and i you know you're used to kind of fighting the traffic in the in the valley in yosemite or tioga road waiting for it to open but it was a whole nother experience like walking into yosemite it was kind of weird and awesome.
0: So how come you haven't gone further north?
1: Because I got to work on this book first. <laughs> I got to finish this book, and then then I can quit my job and roam the wilds and and spend five months hiking. Dreams. Oh, and this, when you become a millionaire this from is, the yes, publication, yes, when I of make millions book? of pennies from my book, yes, <laughs> millions,
0: millions of, is of pennies. pennies. Still,
1: that would still be a lot, actually. Still so a let's fair amount of money. Millions so, of pesos. Yeah, it's
0: like, what, Million pennies would be.
1: We talked about how math isn't the ten thousand dollars.
0: Right? Is that what a million pennies would be? Ten yeah, thousand. I, I don't
1: think that's gonna. Let's say, let's say tens and tens of dollars will be made. It might okay. might be enough to pay for all the ramen I ate this summer.
0: You're going to pay for that in a different way later in Oh, life. yeah.
1: I've already paid for that many times over.
0: Are we talking about <laughs> the package like Maroshan? Oh, yeah. The oh, only yeah. kind. Oh, yeah. You're going to pay for that. I mean, Top I ax- ramen. I don't, don't want to. Yeah. We don't want
1: to advertise yeah, specific ramen yeah. brands. You know, it's really choose your own <laughs> ramen adventure. Adver- yeah.
0: We don't want to advertise 10 cent ramen brands i don't think they need our help they don't they don't have them covered for the college students and
1: and long distance hikers
0: (laughs) when i was in college because i like to derail my own podcast yes since we're talking about very smooth transition again when I was in college and I was eating ramen all the time, we found like the dumbest ways to try to make it more interesting. So I was like, oh, and also I ate a lot and then I ate even more. So I had to have at least two packets of ramen, which really isn't much food. No. So then we, but, it,
1: but it is like one million calories. Right. But we'd put
0: eggs in it or we'd put like canned vegetables. No, we just figured out different ways no. to make it not just be regular ramen. And, that, and then as soon as I graduated from college, I think I probably went five years without eating. I haven't eaten it in years.
1: I have. I'm one of those gluten sensitives. And uh, I threw all that out the window when I was on the trail because you know what? You need calories. You need salt. I needed like I needed all the gluten. I wanted the gluten. I did make the mistake, however, of when I got to Red's Meadow. At that point, I had lost so much weight that I hike in a skirt usually. I had to roll my skirt oh, waistband so it fit. You too? Yeah, <laughs> a kilt. Are you too a utility kilt. I had to roll my waistband like four times so that my skirt fit. I was emaciated. When my friends saw me at in Mammoth when I got off the trail in Yosemite, they were like, "What's wrong with you? You look so hungry." I'm like, "I am. Give me all your enchiladas oh
0: and how long were you on the trail
1: that stretch was well i took two months like a two-month sabbatical this summer so i spent most of that on the trail so
0: yeah yeah i bet bitching. you were starving oh
1: my god i was starving i i remember one night my most magical night was i was hiking out i had one more night before i was going for a resupply over kearsarge pass down through onion valley and hitch a ride down into uh, lone pine and i got down to vidette meadow and i had like one lonely packet of some disgusting you know dehydrated thing in my back in my bear can and i went and was like sadly preparing to make it and these people had a campfire it was one of the few places on the trail where i saw a campfire ring and they're like are you hiking the pct i'm like how could you tell they're like you kind of look like you've been on the trail for a while I'm like that's a nice way they of saying smelled you're you. disgusting they smelled you. They four smell. I could away. smell me. I could smell me four, four miles away. I could smell myself approaching myself. It was nice, nice smells. And so these people were like, "Oh, you want to come eat with us?" I'm like, "Okay." And I knew I was gonna be a little sad inside because they had all this food, and I just had my one little packet of shriveled up whatever. <laughs> and I rolled over there, and they're like, "What is that? All you have to eat?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going out to resupply." And they're like, "Oh, come join us." They made fresh mushroom gnocchi. They had imported chocolates. They had whiskey. They were smoking pot. They had like all this stuff. They just kept offering. They just kept like putting things in my hand. They practically were force feeding me. I was like, yes. I ate so much food that night. Then they made me eggs in the morning before I left. Nice. I was bitching.
0: The longest I've ever been on trail is six days. Yeah. And when I, came, when I came off that trail, I was starving and we stopped by some restaurant that was still open and um, we were in Victoria in Canada and I ordered an entree. Didn't do anything. I was still starving. I ordered another entree. I was still starving. I ordered a third entree. And the only reason I didn't order more after that was because I didn't want to spend any more money. So I had three entrees, and I still was hungry oh, after yeah. six I days on the feeling. trial. So two months, Dude, I would just be I, dead. You don't
1: even know. Yeah, I'm surprised I wasn't dead. You know, you have to kind of carefully balance the amount of calories and your caloric density so that you can fit everything in the stupid bear can which is not stupid it's there for a reason but <laughs> no one wants to carry that thing um, although it does make a nice stool but yeah I was I can I can tell you so many stories of I still remember the guy so I was with two other hikers PCT hikers coming down Kearsarge going out for resupply We got to the bottom, and we're all like, how does this work? Like, how do we get down to Lone Pine from here? And I saw this minivan pull up, and all of these hiker trash people got out. You know, they were slightly cleaner than they'd probably been the day before. And there was this older guy driving the minivan, and I looked at the guys that I'd been hiking with. I'm like, I'm going to go over there. And I heard the guys calling him Mr. Burns. I'm like, hi, Mr. Burns. And my best, like, Kimmy Gibbler voice, you know, I'm like, hey, Mr. Burns, how are you today? And he's like, oh, good. Are you a PCT hiker? I'm like, yeah and he's like do you need a ride into town i'm like yeah <laughs> and so my friends and i like jump into the strange man's minivan and he comes around from the back and he hands us all a capri sun an <laughs> orange and a frozen snickers bar and i think we all had tears in our eyes we all just and we looked at him and like thank you mr burns thank you and we all tore into the oranges first so just does that make shit. him a
0: trail angel Is he was a he trail was?
1: angel he was a trail angel who was also hiking, but he was hiking to meet his wife at certain stops along the way. So if he got there before her, he'd like rent a car and go help out hikers. He was super awesome. Good people in the world, trail angels, generally.
0: See, if you go outside, <laughs> outside. you find out that there are actually good humans on Earth. There More are. More than bad humans.
1: People are so nice on the trail. I really think that there's something sort of communal about the experience of being outside. People want to do good by each other.
0: So this book you're writing... You want to get people to hike a portion of the PCT using your book. When are they going to be able to buy it?
1: That's a good question. How long have you been writing it? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> um, no, my book. I'm at the final final version of it is going to my publisher in September. So uh, sometime in 2017, I believe. So we'll, we'll revisit then. Uh, I'll do, we'll do an all book podcast then, maybe. <laughs> just, <laughs> we'll you know, just, we'll just have saying. you
0: read aloud I'll read the
1: entire yeah. first chapter. Um, like you're all school children learning about nature. It'll be really awesome. <laughs> I'll try to leave out the part about uh, all the nude elderly people in, in the hot springs. but uh,
0: I would recommend leaving that part in. You may sell more copies. My, my
1: editor did tell me I have to leave it in. so
0: <laughs> it sounds like a great editor. <laughs> I
1: love my editor. Yeah, so until then, I will be uh, on the trail a lot, hopefully meeting a bunch of this year's through Hiker Crop, and uh, writing, taking pictures, and generally loving life.
0: So let's tell people since they can't go buy your book right now. And if they're just like, I haven't had enough of little Shay Shay. Oh, they need I more need of Shay Shay. Yes. Where could they find that?
1: Oh, you can find me in many places. Uh, you can go to Modern Hiker and see a lot of the things I've written there. Um, I have my own website, com, and I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Don't find me on LinkedIn though, unless you're going to offer me some sort of awesome like writing job. <laughs> not worth it otherwise go visit go visit my website find some things there maybe i I tend to write a lot of my humor pieces on my website so that's where they live that's where the funnies live theoretically
0: on the website i have all the links and i have photos and everything and a header image i think what i'm going to do for this one is i'm going to put your head on yogi bear's body (laughs) and that will be your header image
1: oh i like it that sounds really (laughs) awesome
0: (laughs) so we'll wrap this up now because we've been talking for a while, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, man. Meaning of life. You have 10 ah! seconds. Go.
1: Meaning of life is uh, learning about yourself and always pushing forward and figuring out how to share that and be kind to others. Wow,
0: I think you just touched my heart.
1: I know. I touched my own. Thank you.
0: <laughs> All right, now it's time to leave Silver Lake Meadow Aww. and return to the city from whence we came.
1: Goodbye, nature. Goodbye, beautiful reservoir, which I have not poisoned, even though we discussed it.
0: If <laughs> you know, there's if a news report happens, of a poisoning gonna come in this out. reservoir gonna come in the up to near me. future, I'm going to turn you in. Please don't. And on that note, <laughs> on that note it's let's have a good night and get out of here.
1: Woohoo! Happy trails <laughs> to you. Isn't that how we ended the last oh, one? Oh, <laughs> yeah, go through. Do it. Just I don't it, know it. any more words. <laughs> Happy trails to you.
0: I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, damn, we're already here at the end of the show. I want more Shantae. I want more Shay Shay. Well, don't worry. Later this season, she will be part of the solo backpacking roundtable. That solo backpacking roundtable episode will come later this summer so you can get more of your Shantae fix then. You can also get more of your Shantae fix on the internet. That's right, you can find her many places on the internet. And the first place you should go is our website, gogetoutside.com slash podcast. Look for episode twenty seven Shantae Salaber, and there you will find many links, including links to Shantae the Sierra modernhiker.com, Shantae's Instagram, her Twitter page, her stories on Modern Hiker, as well as links to some of the things we discussed in the show, like that Instagram graffiti story she mentioned that perhaps you've already seen because it made its way all over the internet and turned into a huge thing last year. Also links to various ways you can hike San Gorgonio if you are here in Southern California or are visiting. And then another link to the White House website, which may seem odd until I explain why, Earlier in this episode we discussed some upcoming new monuments that were potentially going to be designated. Well, shortly after we recorded this episode, that did happen. President Obama declared three new monuments here in Southern California. They are Mojave Trails, Sandstone, and Castle Mountains. There is a link to the White House announcing those monuments along with a bunch of photos of those places, so If you've never checked any of them out and you're curious, if you should, well, go there, look at those pictures, and you will probably be convinced to do so. Also on the website, pictures, as always, pictures of Shantae in action, doing the things she does, and being a human yogi bear. So head to the website, check that out. If you are one of our returning listeners, thank you, by the way, if you are. And if you aren't, shame on you. Go back, download all 26 past episodes. Get to it. Chop, chop. But if you are a returning listener and you were listening to just the previous episode, episode 26 with Fresh Off the Grid, Megan McDuffie and Michael Van Vliet, you may have recalled I mentioned they were making their way to Cuba. Well, they did make their way to Cuba and they have completed that trip. And if you go to their website, freshoffthegrid.com, you will see a recent blog post all about that trip to Cuba, chock full of some great photography from there in Cuba. So if you, like me, are very curious about our nearby communist neighbors, take a look at that post. Maybe you'll learn something. Are you lonely? Do you sit alone at night wishing you could communicate with us here at the Go Get Outside podcast? Wishing you could cuddle up with us in a soft blanket? Well, it's unlikely you'll be able to cuddle up with us in a soft blanket, but you can do the next best thing. You can email us, go at butcherbirdstudios.com, or call us up, 818 925 0106. That is our Google voicemail. You will not reach us personally, but you will be able to leave a three minute voicemail message, which I will personally respond to, unless it is some sort of spammy message or personal harassment. Although, I probably will respond to the personal harassment. I will not respond to your spam. Same thing with emails, people. Go at ButcherBirdStudios.com. I will personally respond to every single email message unless it is spam. And you know what else we always say here at this part of the show. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed. Rate the show. Review the show. If you do that, maybe you will get to cuddle up with us here at the show in a nice, soft, comfy blanket. I make no promises, but who knows what the future may hold. Next time on the show, Brian Snyder, adventurer, author, man who likes to get locked in European towers. Come back next time, May 1st. See you then.